Welcome to episode, what is this, four now? Yeah, episode four, Common Sense the Podcast. What's up, fellas? What's up? What's up, man? So for all y'all that don't know, we got Babyface Frakes back, if you don't recognize him this week. Second time on the show. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, glad to have you on here. Maybe we, and we got video this time, yeah, so this everybody gets like, to see you now. Yeah, so well, they probably didn't get that joke, unless they already know you. I mean, you are kind of famous. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If I'm famous, your world is shit. Woo! I'm gonna say that. If I'm famous in your and world, and then we got my good buddy Miggy over here, Miguel. I told you I was gonna say Miggy. Yeah, I, I told you, you it was gonna happen right out the gate. But this week, we're just gonna sit down with some good friends of mine. We're just gonna talk about cigars, bourbon. And whatever the hell we want to talk about, which is kind of how this started off in the beginning. So I know Miguel brought some of a, he's a part of a really cool bourbon group that I like to associate with. It's probably one of my favorites um, called The Locals. And that's my favorite because we all break bread together, man. It's kind of like up here. It's just really cool. We meet for lunch every other week or so. During COVID, I mean, that's where some true friendships formed and bonded sure. because we had lunch together like every week. It was the only thing we could do. You know, we all got together. We were hunting bourbon, doing barrel picks, and we were having lunch together. And, man, that's kind of where it was at for a lot of us. How'd that slow you down going through COVID trying to do barrel picks? It didn't. It actually it did. accelerated well, everything. It's like the only it thing like, we could do. It's crazy how much bourbon accelerated during that time. Same thing. I, we saw the same thing with cigars. Yeah. If people had the time. Yeah. And yeah. the government was giving them some time, cash. They're like, what do I do with it? Time was the key. Everyone had more time. You know, mm-hmm. you've, you've definitely seen a swing in it now, you know, and you might, you may have seen it or may not have seen it, but like there is definitely, I've seen a shift in, in one, how much people invest their time into, into bourbon in comparison to two years ago. Uh, I don't know if you've seen the same thing here. A hundred percent. Yeah. A hundred percent. The whole industry had this terrible trifecta of people having more time, more interest, more dollars, and all of that comes together. And then you hit a couple of hurricanes in 2020 that absolutely, absolutely obliterated all the fields of tobacco and people just, they pretty much, you could see all the, all the tobacco just completely deplete and these manufacturers just deer in the headlights not knowing how they were going to keep up yeah. I, I would imagine whiskey was probably a little bit more prepared for it than we were definitely i don't not, think so not, no because yeah. as soon as like think about a whiskey it's the same with like aging you know tobacco and stuff like that and wrappers like if you have a a peak in demand and you haven't accounted for that as a business then you've only got X amount of supply. You can't just age a 10-year wrapper just like you can't just age a 10-year bourbon overnight, right? So all these bigger distilleries saw massive increase in demand, and then all of a sudden, like they're like, oh, we've got next to nothing. We've, we've got to try and keep going. I mean, Buffalo Trace, for example, did a one, I think it was a $1.2 billion expansion based on the fact that the last two years have gone, gone nuts. You know, so you can't just make this stuff overnight. So yeah, it was, it's kind of crazy. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that was across the board. Fire. Yeah, let's talk about that real quick before we get to in this. So tonight, all the guys on here, well, I mean, except for Miguel, because he'd already had a pretty awesome cigar lit, but 
We went with these Patoro Brazilian rappers when Brandon gets done lighting. I'll let him tell you more because I don't know more about this. I had to go Patoro again because he gifted me a cigar when we hung out this weekend that is now definitely probably a top three cigar I've ever smoked in my life. You know what you smoked? It was a Partagas. Was it a Partagas? It was a Partagas. I it was a which I mean, one? It was which, a which label that like... He, which one? He smoked, he smoked a Partagas 150 Tubo A. It was phenomenal. He, he's playing I mean, an A is a size. It's a slender, long cigar that very few manufacturers make. They're very difficult to make. They take a lot of tobacco. They take a lot of time. And for consistency on a cigar, that's what nine inches almost. Is it's that a, what it is? It's nine, a, nine it inches. It was huge. Like I mean, it's yeah. only about like I mean, it's a smaller ring gauge. I mean, it's not about like this. Different. It's about like this. But it was huge. And, like, I'm a fairly fast smoker. Like, I'm not like Elliot, if anybody knows Elliot in the lounge. Like, I mean, I don't, like, just, like, inhale, like, half a cigar at a time. But, like, I don't consider myself a slow cigar smoker. But the minute that cigar started going, I was like, whoa, whoa. I have to slow down and really enjoy this. Like, I was a little disappointed in myself that... I chose the smaller one when we were hanging out because, A, I didn't know how much time we had left that evening, and I didn't know if I'd get to fully enjoy that one. But, man, last night with the weather and the new back patio, could not have been a better cigar out there to smoke for that. And, you know, we haven't done this yet either. I said everybody else was here, but this week we're trying a little bit different approach because I want to be able to pay attention to a little bit more of you guys on here as well. And me trying to go back and forth and losing conversation with these guys is a struggle right now. Maybe that's just early on. Maybe that gets better down the road. But we got my man Biz on a mic tonight, too. What's up, Biz? You just made a mistake, sir, but that's okay. That's all right. <laughs> We've made plenty of mistakes on this show. No, that's facts. That's uh, facts I, I right there. I can't deny that. You we just that. roll with it. Yes, yeah, so I'll, ta- I'll take care of the, the comments, the things. If somebody says something interesting on this side of the tracks, you focus on the guests. I'll make sure to keep everybody else linked up to what yeah, we got Yeah, y'all can on. thank Biz and uh, his sidekick, Brandon, when he's not over here being on the show. Like, Biz is the man behind all this that keeps everything flowing and going. So No, that's really Brandon, but I just take credit for it. That's anyway, right. keep going. Hey, keep <laughs> going. He's a guest right now. Don't keep going. Him, no, no, it's all Biz. It's all Biz. <laughs> yeah. Oh. No, okay, so let's talk, let's talk a little bit about this cigar, shall we? Yeah. You'll, you'll smoke it when you're on it. For those of you who are just tuning in, this is, we were actually smoking the Patoro Brazil. We were just talking about, holy shit, demand starts mm. happening because of 2020, because now these industries are booming. More and more people are getting into it, seeing that it has a great barrier of entry. This is the perfect cigar to illustrate that point. This particular cigar... Companies out of Olten, Switzerland, but they do their production in the Dominican. It uses a very unique, it's called a Cubra wrapper, which is a Cuban-Brazilian hybrid. It has a very unique taste to right. it. It's, like, it's never sweet, but like, ever. it's killer. It's got some earthy tones to it that I don't think I've ever had in a cigar. This cigar, I remember smoking the first one, and I sent a message, 
immediately to the group and said, I'm going to blow this son of a bitch up because that's definitely getting picked up on the algorithm. But I'm going to blow this son of a bitch up because I am smoking it way too fast. <laughs> right? So, yeah, you warning me before this. Yeah, don't yeah. say trash. Don't, but, don't worry. Saying, but, but still. But I'm going to blow this bitch up. That's for sure getting us on there. So just for those of you who are watching, if, if this uh, live stream goes away, it's because uh, Facebook decided that yeah, it was going to. texting us, How we'll figure it out. However, <laughs> that, that Brazilian hybrid that's on this, right? It is a very unique palette. It's a very unique tobacco. We actually use it in our house stick. Absolutely love how flavor forward it is. But with all great things, the quantity is limited. So right now there is a massive, massive shortage. And it, it has to do with a number of different factors. But if anyone smoked the orange band Patoro called the Siri P, also has a Cubra on it. Not quite as aged, not quite as vibrant, not quite as alive. But now they have to figure, figure out how do we tell the same story with different tobacco? Mm. So now you have to reimagine an entire blend of what makes this magic, why is it awesome? And then completely blank slate, go figure out what specific bale of tobacco will step in that place. Interesting. Not even just, you can't just say, oh, I want a Nicaraguan wrapper or I want something that's yeah. global. You yeah. can't say I want something from Jalapa. No, it has to be the perfect bale or the perfect source of that tobacco because I'm sure it's actually the same thing, whiskey, right? I mean, different places in the Rickhouse is, is a different, completely different Yeah, and a lot experience. of the people started sourcing because they couldn't keep up with demand. And then you had some of these massive distillers distiller producers like MGPI and you know, people like Dickel that were like backlogged with like tons of barrels and people started using that and blending it and it's like some of them even got I mean I don't know about you but I mean some of them got a really bad name because it's like the Dickel stigma and it was like Oh, there's this a, is a Dickel lot, a juice, and there's a, just yeah, so yeah, many again, different things It's a bad like name well, from the beginning. It's, it's like anything, right? When you have a fad in anything, everyone wants to jump on the bandwagon, right? So, you know, there are a few places where you can contract a still or, or source barrels from, as, as, as Garrett mentioned, right? You can go to a major producer like an MGP and, and buy barrels, but, um, you know, that doesn't mean that they're all going to be great. Right, and a lot of people just do batches or blends and stuff like that, and they don't work out as well. And you know that can tarnish your name. It's like branding, right? I mean, it's, it's all branding. Mm -hmm. You put out a bad product, right? Because you think you're just going to make, do, we don't make, do any make a quick meal. You know, there's the no branding the on the table today. That is what that is what our industry saw too. It's everyone it happens everywhere. Yeah, everyone I mean, thought everywhere. that it was going to be up and to the right forever. So they just started tossing it out there. Take it, take it, take it. And then all of a sudden, now, now they're seeing the backlash of it. For those who were disciplined and did it right, well, now they're shining. Well, yeah, yeah and they're, they're sure. the ones that are going to continue being consistent, and they're going to be the brands left over at the end. And it's interesting you're talking about, and you're, you're explaining this cigar, because I smoked the, the orange label Patoro F1 he morning. He had the F1. Right? Mm -hmm. F1 morning one. Yeah. So now I'm kind of like, I'm, t I'm smoking a 2018 Fuente, and it's awesome. But now I'm almost feeling disappointed that I'm not smoking this right now, and I will get to it. 
because I'm now kind of looking at you guys going, you motherfuckers. It's delicious. I'm, jeal- I'm jealous. So you won't. <laughs> well, the good thing is, you yeah, won't you can smash it. Yeah, you can smash that. Yeah, speaking of smashing, he's got an empty glass. You're almost empty. Yeah. Let's, uh, you want to go with the, the new one you guys just released and get yeah. some of that in yeah, his cup? Yeah, you want me to talk about it? Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Tell, tell him about it. I'm going to pass it over to him and let him get a pour of this because I know he liked so the I'm first glad, one. I'm glad we're going to so do So much. I'm glad we're going to do this first. Well, for one, uh, just, just for everyone, that was opened last uh sorry on friday that was open friday yeah and i believe it if it's like there's, the there's, killer there's, bee. A, there's a few people that have that have tried that so far like from from my bowl uh most of that's been me yes uh definitely you know underlying alcoholic over here but you know connoisseur connoisseur, connoisseur there we go yeah, so yeah, I, like, yeah. I like that word better yeah, yeah yeah but um i need to finish this real quick because that is different to this and while you're doing that, this is coming from the blendery up in Oak Point, Texas. Yes. And yes. Tim is salt to the earth. This is one of the cooler concepts I've ever run it across. It is super yeah. cool. And people that haven't been there, we were trying to get Tim on the show this week, but unfortunately he had another commitment. We were going to bring him on here to talk about this as well. So are we able to are we able to drop the little hint of like what you guys are doing now? For those who are watching, for those of you that are watching, we'll break a little bit of news here since Brandon gave us the green light. Miguel and uh, his team have done, this is what you guys' second pick now with. They had the Killer B that they did in conjunction with some other clubs and Tim at the Blendery. So Tim has this amazing facility where he gets barrels and you can get a locker at his place, much like ICC, and you can come out and dabble in blending whiskeys and see what you're good at, what you like. And if you like what you blend... You can blend as many bottles as you want and buy it from them. I mean, assuming however much is in the barrel from what you blended. And it's really, really an awesome, unique experience. Tim is one of the coolest guys, super knowledgeable, super, super friendly, a great, great host. And uh, ICC, I've heard, is working on something they're going to offer up here from the blendery. That'll just, be their own very blend for ICC. I am just all I'll that. say before I kick it over is I'm looking forward to a very long relationship with the blendery and industrial cigar company. Thanks yeah, to I mean, you. Yeah. I Thanks mean, to you, truly. Honestly, the, you know, knowing you guys and knowing Tim and just, you know, that, that, that light bulb click moment when you realize, oh, shit. The business concepts and the community aspect and the the localization of how you have your structure to your business plan, your strategy, and the way that you want your members and how you're kind of leading that just clicked to me. I was like, this is exactly the same, but just in a different industry. Mm-hmm. And it just made sense that I knew that you guys wanted to expand. I knew there were certain things that you did in the private lounge and stuff like that for your loyal members. And it just made sense to have you guys get together because there was there was definitely something that could be kind of you know developed there in terms of a relationship. And I'm glad that we got the opportunity to to get you. And that's what I love about this stuff. And that's that's the kind of stuff you guys have heard me talk about from finding a lounge, finding a group of people that share common interests with you, and you know find a place like ICC, find a place like the Blendery. Find a group like the locals or... Good luck. You know, any Unless of you're like, I mean, you find some of those. They're few and far between, but, I mean, you see all this energy starts coming from that, and it's like, hey, man, what these guys are doing over here really jives with this, and put these two together, and, man, you start creating some powerhouses. Like, stuff starts coming together, and it's just like, you know, you get these amazing cigars, and then, you know, well, shit, we paired an amazing bourbon with it that, like, 
the guys that have been curating the humidor at ICC are now going to the blendery and sitting down with Tim and he's assisting them and they're curating bourbon that will go well with the cigars in their humidor for their private members that they're going to have up here. I mean, I mean, well, I mean how much better does it get? The, I mean, the opportunity, super curated. the opportunity is endless. Like when, we, yeah. was, when we, we were sitting there and you're a very creative person, right? Because obviously you have your other side of your business, you have this and you can just see it in your face when your brain is going a million miles an hour about this, 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 this. And there was so many things that we discussed that night that could be not like a 12 month period, but like a 10 year period, right. 15 year period. Like there's so much opportunity there. And whether it's a special release cigar with specifically um, a, you know, a specific blend for that, for regular members or private members or whatever that may be, but there's just so much you can do with it. And that takes us to what's right in front of us and in yes. our Glen right now. What, what exactly? What is the story behind this this bourbon or this okay. whiskey that we have in front of us that I know has a so cool I'll, story? I'll go through the story of, of this because it is an interesting one. So just to kind of piggyback off what Garrett was saying, you know, Tim um, created this concept of of having a, a spot where it was exclusive and for members and stuff like that, and you'd be able to go in and blend various different mash bills, whether it be, you know, a 99% corn or a 36% rye bourbon or a 95% rye whiskey or whatever, and, and create your own custom bowl, right? Which is, you know, pretty unique in itself, mm -hmm. right? There aren't many places that offer that. If you go to bigger distilleries, you get things like, oh, this is our, hey, just fill your own bottle kind of deal. You know, it's kind of like custom, but it's yeah, mm. not really, you know? Um, Get but, it engraved with your name on Yeah, exactly, you know, you know, what, you know whatever. And like, you know, again, it's a great experience, right? If, it, if anyone hasn't gone, you're a good, you know, you're a great you know, bourbon lover or whatever, it's a great experience overall. Um, with this, the, that experience is taken to like 10 levels higher, right? So um, that's the concept of the business. Uh, obviously having a good relationship with Tim and, and, and being personal friends and stuff like that. and. You know, he's just he's a pillar in the community from a bourbon standpoint. You know, he offered the op the opportunity to go and pick some, go through some barrels, open them, have some fun right after after a delivery. And uh, we did one originally, which was called the Killer Bee, um, which actually subsequently we we ended up submitting into the New York uh, International Spirits Competition in the single barrel category. Uh, and I actually took ninety five points in, in gold medal. Um, in that same competition, he got. That's a hell of a feat. I mean, that's a hell of a feat. Never done it before. Like, never even thought about it. He was like, hey, yeah. what do you think about this? We're like, uh, well, shit, if you think it's going to amount to something. Well, not even amount to something, but if you think it's worth it. Like, we think it's a good barrel, but like, it's different when you're putting into like a structured competition, right? That wasn't ever our plan. He's like, yeah, shit, I want to do it, right? So he did that and a few other bottles. He, that was a gold winner. He got multiple other awards, and then he also got uh, Texas Rye Distillery of the Year uh, from that from that competition. So, big, yeah, big, big, big thing for him. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, but yeah, going back to this, so we did that, and then you know, the opportunity came up to do another one. So this is unique as you can get it, right? Everyone, if if you're into bourbon and stuff like that, things like MGP, everyone's going to know what MGP is. Um, it's a big, big producer of, you know, mass producer of bourbon contract. You can contract the still, you can source, blah, blah, blah. Um, back in 2017, they fucked up. 
they accidentally filled 50 barrels of uh, their 95.5 rye mash bill, right, which is a straight rye, um, and a 36% high rye bourbon mash bill, right? So you've got a bourbon and a rye, and they accidentally filled 50 barrels. They didn't realize until the 50, and they went, oh shit, well, what have we done? And they were like, well, I don't really know what to do with it. So they let it sit. Then there was a couple of people that were interested, never, you know, never came to fruition, fell through. Um, they don't know what's in there. They don't know the percentage. Yeah, and rye is right? kind of like not everybody's go-to. Like so yeah. many people are afraid of rye and like there's so many hidden gems in rye. There's like, so much. Everybody's so scared it's going to be like super spicy and, you know, have all the typical rye characteristics that men like there's so much great rye and rye i think rye is gonna be one of those things that like it's not as produced as much i think there's gonna come a point where like people start figuring out rye and then they're gonna start wanting to buy all this rye and they're gonna be able to meet the demand i mean like because it's just not produced and farmed as much like most of the rye comes from canada and a few other places but like i think that's something you will see in the next i don't know five years i mean yeah they're like You'll see more rye get heavily allocated because it's just there ain't going to be as much of it. Well, the benefit to rye is that you can it, typically you can drink it younger, right? Mm-hmm. And it has it, it takes on a lot more characteristic. It's a lot. It's a it's no. I wouldn't say less complex, but it's it's just very different to a bourbon. Bourbon. I mean, you have to kind of give it a bit more time. Rye, you can start bar- bottling it. You know, four years, five years, and it still be very good. Mm-hmm. Obviously, 10 years, 12 years, 13 years is going to be significantly better. Um, but you have the opportunity. And a lot of companies that go and do this contract distilling, in the time frame that they're doing that, they're aging their own rye because they can get it to four years, they can push it out into their own product, right? They just obviously need to find the right mash bill and do all that kind of science, which you know I'm not privy to. But, um, but yeah, so going back to this, 2017, they mistakenly filled those 50 barrels. They have no idea what the blend is. A couple of things fell through. Tim was at that point, you know, close to that point, starting to come up with this concept, right? So who does he turn to? One of the biggest, you know, producers of barrels for contract distilling and sourcing. And uh, he happened to stumble across this when it was, I think it was, I, I tried the first sample when it was three and a half years old. And it's interesting because the craziness of that story in 2019, a producer came in and said, we're interested, rebarrel it. And I'm, 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 I'm hoping that I'm getting all the full details of this 100% correct. That fell through. They actually put it into brand new Speyside Cooperage, which is a very good Cooperage, heavy char level four barrels. In yeah, I mean, like, so it's been in there the for two years. Yeah, it's been in fresh barrel for two years and then rebarreled in 2019. This is 2022. This is this is three years on. So this is this this is three years and uh, sorry five years and eight months old, double barreled, completely unknown blend of two various mash bills. And you know we thought, what what better appropriation than you know Scooby Doo and the mystery the mystery mash bill theme for for a sticker. Solid. But um, you know it's again it's not the oldest thing in the world. But it's unique. This is one of 50 barrels ever produced and that will ever be produced. And they so can't reproduce it. They, they can't reproduce it. Because they don't know so what's just, in it. You know, you tried the other one, right? You tried the Double Jeopardy. Hands down. Is, full. The most remarkable Jeopardy. aha moment 
of whiskey in my life. You should have seen his face when he first sipped oh. it. Oh. It was between the creativity of trying to figure out how we we're gonna how we we're gonna make all this work together, which already got the wheels going, and then I tried this double Jeopardy. I did, was, same, I did the same thing because like I showed up to a birthday party there. That was my first time actually being at the blendery, and I had had the killer bee. And so this was Derek's party. Yeah, this oh, yeah. was Derek and Jason's birthday party. And when I walked in, Tim was like, you know, super cordial, you know, welcome to the place, you know, hey, come in. He's like, matter of fact, before you have anything to drink, come over here because we just brought this out again. And lo and behold, it was double jeopardy, which at that point I had not had. And holy smokes, it was I was like, man, this is what y'all are doing here. I mean, I had had the killer bee. And I mean, personally, I think the killer bee is amazing, but like double jeopardy, like. That now it's hard to say. That's that. like tit and tat. Like I mean, they're a little different, so it's kind of hard to like put them head to head. But I mean, again, they're blends. Like, yeah. and that's kind of the beauty of his concept, man. You can go in there and play around. Like, you think you know a lot about bourbon? I mean, that would be like you guys hosting an event here and being like, "Hey, during cigar, yeah, Go for it, yeah, let's <laughs> try like, it, yeah, yeah. see what happens." You know, we got off Alfonso here, and he's just brought all this stuff. And you guys see if you can just come up with a good enough cigar blend. If you come up with something good enough, he'll sit here and have his guy roll them for you. I mean, like, and you can buy as many of them as you want. Like, but you think you're good, and you think you know. Like, go ahead, try it. Go at it, big boy. For the, for those of you who attended the first night at the factory, you'll realize that yes, of course, it is more difficult than you would expect. I mean. It is. I mean, and that was a process that we did, but just the amount of work that it takes to, in order to get the rollers, get the tobacco, get the tobacco that works well together. That's the beauty is. Well, that's just operations. He knows his stuff. That's just operations right. versus like understanding what works well together. What marriage, It's like being a On chef. On top of that. It, you know, everyone can be a good cook, but like a chef, it's the same, same, same type of deal. It took, when we did that first event, it took Edgar Hoyle nine months to find eight different tobaccos that would work together. Jeez. Nine months to just find the tobacco yeah. that would hit the table and be okay. And he narrowed it down. Like, imagine going to a place where, I mean, I'm sure Tim does that. Like, he doesn't just go and get, like, all these shitty barrels and good barrels and just say, here's whatever. He gets good barrels that, like, can you can do stuff with. Mm -hmm. So, oh, I mean, it's, you, you're, you're narrowed down. I mean, it's not like you're just going to, like, walk away with, like, some shitty bourbon or something like I that. Mean, tip typically... Typically, the, the ratio swing for single barrels can be anything from like one in five or one in ten. Yeah. Right. What and does that What does that mean? In terms of like how out of out of five barrels that you you own, mm. one could be potentially a single barrel. Gotcha. Right. So obviously we've got, we've gone through the the phases of bourbon right from you know the fifties and sixties and stuff where it's all like low proof for the most part, blah blah blah, um, and all heavy aged. And if we go through to today's world, in the last few years, it's been single barrels. Like, everyone wants to do a single barrel because it's a, it's a specific selection that kind of gives character to a group or a store or something like that, right? Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's like you sourcing, like, a very specific cigar for your customers, for your members, because you know that it's going to fit, you know, for, for the crowd that you sell to, right? And that's what the bourbon companies do, you know? Like, they have, they create a bourbon, because, like, every one of them is going to taste a little different, but, like, they have these master blenders that can consistently get you that bottle of Jack Daniels, that bottle of Buffalo Trace, yeah. that in general tastes relatively the same. But then you find these like anomalies, which they make single barrels and do that. But like 
you take these others, can you blend something to taste like if they gave you 10 barrels at Jack Daniels, can you make it taste like the bottle you grew up drinking? You know, like, yeah, that's, that's a, equally as impressive, that's right? Super yeah, impressive. It's very, it's super yeah. impressive. It, so when you, whether you grow up or you, whether you drink it and stuff like that on a regular basis, like for, for me and you know, every, every club does it differently. Right. So this is not like a, a, a consistent recipe for everyone. It's not like a one size fits all. Um, we look for something that's off profile from if we're if, again if we're talking something that th this is hard in to, single barrels yeah this is this is hard to say off profile because this is one of fifty right we're, we're trying to get the best barrel that we think is the best barrel right so we when we picked this we had eight eight different barrels lined up with um, with one uh, bogey and this there. is a lesson I think a lot of you that are debating what club to be in or what clubs you like. Um, Pay close attention to what Miggy's about to say because uh, I did it, again. did it again. I did Stop it again. I told you it was just going to happen. If he's the but, only uh, person in the U.S. that's ever called me that, although that was a nickname for me as a child. Yeah, well, only it's a person. good one. It's a good one. I could come up with some really good nicknames for you, though. Yeah, I'm like, sure, I'm you, sure you could. You might want to stick with Miggy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just saying. Ask some of my other friends. You might want to stick with Miggy. But what I was saying was, you know, I know where you're going with this. At least I think I do. And something that I think a lot of people should pay attention to here because you get involved in all these clubs and then you get this FOMO, like fear of missing out. And like, you got to buy all these picks. You got to buy every single thing. Like what he's about to say and explain is like, to me, it's a crucial thing when I look at like the groups I belong in and what barrel, what bottle I, you know, am I going to go stand in line for this? Am I going to, you know, worked X amount to get this bottle? Am I going to allocate this much of my bourbon budget to buy this bottle? This is very, very key in this because there are a lot of clubs and part of the way this works is these liquor stores that they're getting these barrels through and that they have to run these through because of the liquor laws, they have to move X amount of barrels and like, you're not, they're not just going to give you the Blantons and the Buffalo Trace stuff. Like you got to move some other product too. Mm -hmm. And like, this is key because, like, if you feel like you've got to buy your better, like, don't be fooled. Like, we can go with cool tater stickers. I mean, there's a cool tater sticker. It's Mario. I mean, like, there are people that will jump in just because you showed them that Mario sticker right then there. Or, you know, hey, you go to the Mystery Mash Bill. I mean, you're really, you know, Scooby-Doo fan. Like, you know, go, go for it. Like, mm -hmm. but that shouldn't be your only deciding yeah, factor. That's an expensive sticker if that's the case. Yeah, but, I mean, people, I'm, I'm telling you, I mean, man. That, like, that one, for, people that one for example, we did customized so you know, for the most part, I do all of ours. But the that one, we we have a, a, a guy that we're good friends with, um, my buddy Blake, who runs the club with me. Um, he designed that from from scratch, just because we wanted to have something that was a bit more, uh, not 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 unique. Yeah, think, no, I but think, I mean, I think we we've, we've done some good stickers, yeah. you know. But you know, it is. Sometimes it can't even me is, is And I have bottles that fall into that. Like I have bottles that I specifically bought just because I wanted that tater sticker and the wax or the sword or whatever. I mean, I, I think I set the market yeah, on the there's Zelda same, there's bottle. So much as like there's nostalgia ones. Yeah, there's, there's you know it, it, I just love that. Yeah, the, the look is cool. There's just get it for why you want it, but let, let's get back to that yeah. though real quick. Like okay. explain what you were about to explain to them about like what you guys look for when you're doing a pick to differentiate your picks as a group. Yeah, so again, it's not a consistent recipe for everyone, but what we do is we're looking for like the standout. And, and when I say standout, and again, stuff like this, like there is no 
consistent. It stands out on its own. I mean, yeah, it's not like, oh, this is sold and, you know, 50,000 people were drinking it on a daily basis or whatever. So it's Go with the Elijah Craig example. Like a so, bunch yeah. of people just did Elijah Craig. Like okay. several groups did Elijah Craig picks. So when it comes to barrels or brands that are known, right? Mm-hmm. So like your Elijah Craig, your Jack Daniels, all that kind of stuff like that. There's a profile, right, to them. Everyone knows what they taste like. You can go to the liquor store and buy yeah. this bottle, and this is what it's going to taste like exactly. in general when you drink it. Exactly. But when you're doing a single barrel of those types of brands, like what we look for is we look for something that's completely off the normal, right? We don't want... What's the point in a single barrel if it just tastes the same of the shit that you get on the shelf? Just go buy the shit on the shelf, you know? So we look for one high quality. We have a very high bar. We don't... We turn down so much crap Right, I say crap. We turn some. We turn down so many offers. Yeah, things that, right? that don't match. Yeah, it match what you're looking it for. It doesn't match what our standard is or what we feel that the group members deserve and stuff like that. And it's 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 kind of a catch twenty two really because you have to, like Darren mentioned earlier, you have to be able to move product right or seen to move product in this world in order to get the best stuff. But we just take a very hard line stance on it and just say like we we're just not interested in this because one, the market has shifted a little bit, right? People have gone back to work. There's less money. There's less time. Mm-hmm. People are a bit more conscious about what they spend, um, especially in, 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 in today's market right now. But, like, we just want the best shit. We just want to provide the off-profile, the things that really hit in your face. And, again, I think... But like, you should know that about your club. Is It was kind of exactly. my point. Like, you know, like, you guys are going for off-profile does not remotely taste like the bottle I could get off the shelf. Exactly. And, you know, some clubs want to stick to something like, it's the best I've had of this profile. Like, not saying one is right or wrong. Like, for the record, I'm a part of several clubs. I'm not bashing any one of them. Like, there are a lot of really good clubs in DFW. I mean, there's yeah, a, lot. a lot of, there's a lot of good a lot. ones. There's a lot of bad ones. All I'm saying is, know what the guys that are picking the barrels what, what is their motive? What are, what are they going for? What are they shooting for you as a member of their club? What are they trying to pick? You know, when I come to ICC and I walk into the humidor, I know what you guys are setting as the bar of what I'm going in there. I know that I feel like I can walk in there and try something new without even really, like, asking or, like, getting a lot of information about it. And I know I'm, I'm probably not going to hate it. It might not be my exact cup of tea, but mm-hmm. I'm not going to hate it. But I know what you guys as the Frakes put into curating that humidor. And it's the same thing with these bourbon clubs. Know what the guys that are out there picking the barrels and bottles are, are going for, because then it helps you decide, am I buying this bottle just for nostalgia? Am I buying this bottle because I know it's some super unique? Am I buying it just to support my club? You know, there's a lot of different categories a bottle can fall into, but like knowing that about your club, I think is key. And I'm glad you brought that up because that's very, very important. Yeah, I think I think for me, and it's funny actually because my admin partner Blake, uh, he says it really well. I'd rather you say you love it or you hate it. Mm-hmm. If you just tell me it's okay, I'm offended, mm-hmm. right? So we want. I don't care if someone says, "Hey, it's, I don't like it," right? I'd rather someone say that to me than it's okay, right? Because I mean, who, no one wants to be okay. It's mm-hmm. mediocre, right? But the key, the key thing, the key thing here is, is, and again, everyone's different. Everyone has different motives. Our motive is, we keep, we keep it small, right? We try and bring the best to to the members, right? 
we do it and this is the other thing we do it out of completely out of the passion I mean it's not like this is this is not a job I have a full-time job right so, so does he and so does all of you know our moderators like we just do this for fun like mm -hmm. this is this is something that we we do because we like doing it right there's a passion there that goes beyond just buying and collecting or drinking or whatever and it's not like everyone's an alcoholic in the bourbon scene it's it's you know it's like i said a connoisseur it's mm -hmm. an appreciation of the craft and i think oh didn't mean to kick that um and i think the key thing here is like again it's for us it's fun um there's a lot of people that have gotten into bourbon over over the last two or three years yeah. where it's, you know covid crazy and again everyone starts at some place i mean shit. no we've all we, been newbies we, we've, we've all we've, done all we've this we've been standing in lines like i remember the one of the times I was still stood in line, freaking January, February, and it was like Drizzling, freezing cold. Freezing. But you know, at six a.m. Yeah, and you know, you to, get, to get this. one bowl. Yeah, right. To, to get limit one, bowl. one. Limit, limit one. Yeah, but, but yeah. limit one, right? But the, 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 the important part was, and Gary mentioned this earlier, was that during that time, there were so many guys doing that that were either new to it or had been doing it or whatever, and you forged so many relationships. There's. I've got like best friends and stuff that have come from this. My wife even has best friends from from friends that I've met through this that she's become friends with. Yeah. Wives. Like, I mean, I wouldn't be. We sitting. met through this. Yeah. You know, obviously, I'm a customer here and previous that, but we've connected those mm -hmm. two things. But like, you know, our wives are now friends, and like, there's there's so much that is that is all come from it. all of this started because of what happened during COVID. Like. I would not be sitting here right now with either one of you doing this podcast or any of this had it not been for COVID and me liking bourbon and then deciding like, oh, I have a buddy that's going to this drop. Like, let's go see what this is about. And then I was like, oh, I get to go on an adult Easter egg hunt, treasure hunt, finding bourbons. And oh, I, oh shit, I can still go do this during COVID. Liquor stores are still open. You go stand in line with hundreds of people trying to get a bottle or you could drive all over while everything else is closed liquor store still open you go hunt all over texas oklahoma wherever you were willing to drive to find a bottle like that in itself opened up doors to where you met new people got mm -hmm. around new people found new groups got apart got involved started learning started educating myself and you know it went from there to you know I quickly, the first group I got in was uh, Someone Say Whiskey and, you know, learning about them. And, you know, then I find out like, oh, shit, some of these guys I went to high school with, you know, I did this and that. And then it's like, oh, shit, they got this Frank Frank Sinatra cigar dropping. Oh, let's see what that's about. And then it's like, oh, well, I like and cigars, but now awesome I'm sitting around my good. house and I can like smoke cigars in my patio. And, oh, this place ICC is right down the street from my house. Oh, let's go in here. And then I meet people here and it's like oh shit man like it just starts snowballing and it's like you see all these things and like it, it really has i mean like miguel and i that's how we met like yep. you know the locals having lunch together you know every week and you know and we've turned into really great friends i mean we hang out with our wives you know same thing with us you know mm -hmm. it's like one of those things that like bonded over common common interests you know whether it be cigars or bourbon and i just i encourage people to find things like that because you know, it opens up doors. Like you end up, yeah. you know, a cigar or a bourbon or both or whatever spirit you like. It's an easy transition to talk about. Like, Cause we don't talk about all the other bullshit in the world or whether it was COVID at the time and whether people were fighting, agreed, disagreed, whatnot. 
we didn't talk about that. Mm-hmm. Like, and to be honest, like, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people find it kind of weird and scary. I know my wife did at times, like, you know, like standing in line, sitting here sharing bottles and stuff in the midst of COVID. Mm-hmm. We weren't any of us like, oh, I'm going to get COVID. Like, I'm really worried about this right now. It's kind of like, shit, this is the only thing we can do. And it's funny. It took me two and a half years to get COVID after COVID started. Yeah, right? Yeah, thanks, whiskey. And also, (laughs) thanks, China, is what what Garrett's trying to say. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. Brandon's trying to get my show kicked off since his show got kicked off. No, they like China. Uh, But the thing is, you know, I I think it's, it's a huge testament to community. And the people who are watching either smoke cigars or drink whiskey and know the magic of it but we all have a responsibility right we have a responsibility to introduce these experiences which seemingly have really tall barriers of entry to get in but it's just a small hurdle you can everyone can step over and have that experience and once you have an in-depth conversation with somebody that is true and to the core that you can do over whiskey over cigar whatever I think it, that's the quickest way to introduce somebody to a completely new life that, that lays For ahead sure. of them. Yeah. Like All right, I know he says he's hopping off here, and I don't want to cut you off because I've been meaning to get to this for a minute. Josh says he's hopping off. Josh, if you hopped off already, hopefully you come back and hear this. Josh asked earlier, since we're, uh, quote, unquote, from Josh, you know, his bourbon guys, what would you recommend as, like, you know, two or three bourbons that won't break the bank that he could easily find at a store? What would you oh, shit, throw that's, out that's there? Easy. That's easy. Not well, knowing what he likes. I mean, I have no idea what Josh likes. I mean, well, I've, okay. I've hung I'll, out with I'll him a couple a, times up here. I'll give a few options, uh, two or three. You said two yeah. or three. So um, not knowing what you like, Josh, and obviously, you know, there being a vast difference in proof levels, right? Uh, my brother-in-law's here. He's not the biggest fan of the highest uh, proof levels, right? Um, and you. obviously, every single bourbon, you know, beginner might not be into that stuff. But honestly, he probably um, drinks that Conor McGregor shit, though. Doesn't yeah, the he? proper twelve. He brought some of that proper twelve <laughs> with him from across the pond. Uh, he's an ex-fighter, so he, you know, he might he might be partial to that. Well, shit! Um, why didn't you tell me that before I started talking shit? On <laughs> if you would see the look on his face right now while you was talking, wanker. Correct me if I'm wrong, Liam, and you can feel free to shout. But I think he's uh, um, ex-British champion karate. So both 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 him uh, both him and my wife ex uh, ex-British. Uh, champions, so say something else, Garrett. I dare you. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm, I'm scared to death of Miguel's wife. I mean, like, I'm sure she would kick my ass in a heartbeat, and I'm sure she's wanted to a couple of times. I'll line that fight up, no problem. Yeah, I'll promote yeah, yeah. that, no problem for yeah. sure. Tickets uh, and pay per view, you know, 100, oh, yeah. 100 bucks. We'll, yeah. just, we'll just split it, yeah. Um, all right, going back to Josh's question. So, um, <laughs> honestly, <laughs> sorry, Dave. Oh, you know, where the, you know where the tracks are, that's different than us. <laughs> so, um I'm going to recommend this. If you can get it at any store, anytime. You're never going to run out of this. But Wild Turkey 101 is a staple. that. It's a staple. Yeah. You know, was it now? 20 bucks, 22 bucks? Yeah, you can't you know, go wrong with you can't, that. You can't go wrong with that. I mean, again, if we're talking... Will you, will you type these in the comments so I can go back and check this out? <laughs> yeah, my man. I'm on it right now. My yeah, man. we can get you a list. Right. So that, that, that would be one. Um, that's, again, in the, that 20, 25 bucks range. Um... Again, if you like rye or you want to explore rye, the, the Wild Turkey 101 rye is also fantastic. Yeah, you can't go wrong with that you either. Know, I've, I've heard crazy stories about that 
like blinding and coming in second in comparison like literally the number one was the van winkle family reserve where i which is a 13 year and number two was like wild turkey 101 i've heard some crazy stories about it yeah great rye as well so if you're in if you want to try that or whatever get that um if you want to get a little bit more on the price range the again it's still in the wild turkey family again Russell's. wild turkeys it, you yeah, can't Russell's. go wrong with the products russell reserve 10 year bourbon yeah. right what were we talking like 35 30 i think it's around 40 bucks, bucks now yeah it's depending about 40 on the bucks. state you know yeah. you know around that kind of price range honestly like outside of that if you wanted to go like super cheap like evan williams bottled and bond it's like 14 yeah. bucks what 100 proof old granddad i mean old granddad 114 i'm not the biggest I, I mean i'm not the biggest fan of old granddad 114 you were gonna go mellow corn instead weren't you I mean, that's also a potential option, depending I mean, on, uh, you know, what you want to drink is lighter fuel, fl- uh, fluid, but, you know, <laughs> it's, uh, it's definitely an interesting one. I mean, it's palatable, but it's like, again, it's cheap. If you want like a 10 to $15 whiskey, grab that. Um, I'm just not a big fan of Old Granddad. Yeah. Like the, the, the profile I'm not a huge now. fan. I like it for old fashions, but that's... Uh, I, mean, that's I mean, that's that's also a good option. I like, there's actually a random rye that I got... It was actually Liquor King, uh, Bradley at Liquor King actually was like, hey, try this. It was called Roulette. It looked like the cheapest, shittiest bottle yeah. of rye in the world. But it was actually a four a four or five year MGP at, at 100 proof. So bottled and bond. Yeah. It was 23 bucks. And it was like perfect for making like Bradley. It, it about 20 Bradley's bucks. the brains behind that operation oh, yeah, over there. Like he knows exactly what he's doing over yeah, there. He's one of the smartest whiskey dudes. I've ever yeah, uh, Brad, Bradley's um, solid. But yeah, they, they they would be my options. Like if you're looking for a very cheap option, that Evan Williams Bold and Bond again, talking twelve to fifteen bucks. Yeah, right. Easily killable. Doesn't break the bank. You're not going to care about it. You can get a handle for like twenty three bucks. Yeah, and I would say any Buffalo Trace pick single barrel like just even regular buffalo hey, trace we, we, like, we were talking shelf is yeah here. i know but i mean like, if you got any type of single barrel you ever see like just grab it you're yeah. not going to be oh, disappointed yeah. in that like, buffalo trace or eagle rare yeah. if you can get either of those if you can find those right if you just ran that's probably store, the easier to find easier. out of that lineup 25 like, bucks to 35 bucks depending on where you're at but like yeah i drink those a, a crap ton. I mean, I yeah. opened up a handle of Buffalo Trace store pick just before he arrived, and he's almost killed the goddamn thing. And I'm a big fan. <laughs> yeah. of, I'm a big fan of the Knob Creeks too. Like that's something else that I will throw out there. Uh, any any one of those, and Knob Creek has different price points for what you want. I mean, whether you want something in the forty dollar range all the way up to there, you know, they've got their ten year, twelve year, fifteen year. Dude, if you can, honestly, they're harder to find, but I mean, like you do find Knob Creek on the shelf if pretty you easily. Find, if you find the Knob Creek twelve year. Anywhere between sixty-five and seventy-five bucks, or even eighty bucks. Yeah, buy it. Buy it. It's the sure. best one. Like I again, I, I'm not a big beam person, right? Profile-wise, uh, you know, I, I'm not. I don't like because right, I don't like that kind of hot peanut kind of profile um, in my bourbon at all. The Knob Creek Twelve is fantastic, and if if you're lucky enough to come across any of the older like fifteen year Knob Creek bourbon yeah. picks, like buy them, buy every single one. Don't care how many are on the shelf, just bloody buy yeah, them. Yeah, and if you have trouble getting be... rid of them or anything, you can hit up Miguel yeah. or myself. We'll help Message you move me. those. Yeah, like, I cool. will buy them all. So yeah. pulling it back to kind of the common sense, yeah, theme to the show. What are some things that that novices need to know? What, what are some things from the whiskey world that you wish you would have known, you wish Woodford's somebody would have told you? Too. 
So um, I think my outlook and your outlook is going to be different because I think I, think I, it will. I took a different outlook fairly yeah. early on. And we've talked about this personally. Yeah, yeah for sure. You go good. Start but it off. But it's, it's don't get wrapped in bullshit. Mm, which is kind of what we were getting to earlier. Don't go chasing everything yep. possible. Like, there's there's the magpie and the and the shiny sure. tinfoil, right? That yep. that that naturally happens with everyone in anything. Yeah. But like, and we both did that, but we both did that in completely different ways. Different ways, very different ways. And when he says that, the way we do this different ways, at least in my opinion, and we have talked about this, so I don't think if I get too far off here, just. You know, slap me, hit me, whatever. Send Liam to kick my ass since he's already like waiting he's for up. me he's in the right. parking Bin. lot. He's gonna round ass your ass. See, I looked Bin. over there. Oh, no, man. Like- I'm getting like mad dog now. I'm getting kind of intimidated <laughs> on my own show. He was all smiling before you started yeah. talking shit. Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, serious. In all seriousness, no. Like, if you look at my collection of bourbon, I mean, I have a pretty extensive collection. I have the stuff. Some stuff that's hard to get. I have a shit ton of club picks. I went overboard in club picks because I didn't know what I was doing. And I was just like, oh, I'm going to buy two. If I don't like it, I'll sell one. Well, I don't take the time to do that. Like, I should. I need to. Like, but I don't do that. Like, where I got was I started chasing craft distillers. Like, I wanted to find something unique. So, like, I would go see people like Bradley. I really got involved with my buddy at Spirits of French Lick, Alan Bishop, who hopefully we will have on the show soon. Um he does really he's bringing back grains he's bringing back family old recipes he's like the first legal distiller in his family you know of a long generation of distillers and to me he's doing really unique amazing stuff so i wanted to find the things that like other people weren't trying that like if you looked hard enough yeah you could find it was it breaking the bank no and I wanted to be like, hey, man, try this. Mm-hmm. Like, what, what do you think about this? And then, like, blow somebody's mind with it. Like, I did that, like, personally. I really like Leopold Brothers. He does some amazing stuff with Rise. And it's funny. Some of my big Rye guys absolutely hate it. And then there's other people that aren't big Rye guys. And I give it to them, and they're like, this is absolutely amazing. But it's, it opens up doors. Whereas I feel like Miguel... He did the same things to an extent, but then, like, he narrowed down real quickly, like, I'm just going to, like, move things to, like, be able to get the things that I really want or the things that are put myself in a position to get the more allocated, the older stuff. Like, whereas I'm transitioning more to that now, you know, three, four years into bourbon collecting now, whereas, like, I'm moving some of these picks that people still want, whether for nostalgia or they really like the picks, whatever, and I've been on a dusty kick where I've met some people where I'm able to buy older bourbons, and to me, I would rather sell four or five bottles and buy one bottle of really old bourbon. I mean, like, to me, you can't, like... (laughs) They're never going to get back to that. I mean, I hope they do at some point. Like, I hope... Never they happen. can create like bourbons that are as good as these old days at some point down the road, and I'm sure they will. But like, I've even gotten down. Is that just time or is that ingredients? I, I don't think it's ever going to happen. There's, a, there's mean, a couple. There's a couple of theories. To this, and we, we can get back okay. to that. We, we, yeah. Let's come back to that. Okay. We, yeah, we could go. I have a theory on that. Okay, yeah, and we can yeah, go I'm a curious mile about that. down that road. But you know, like, I'll chase some of these like older dusties now and do that. But like. Bourbon led me down a journey where, like, I started off in bourbon. I couldn't drink tequila unless it was a margarita. I mean, I would turn into Conor McGregor, and mm. he's looking at me wrong. You're looking at me wrong in the and bar. Now, and and now like, you have some 
very nice tequilas. Yeah, and now I've gotten tequila's to where I changed. love sipping tequila, bit, yeah. and like I really like tequila. I've drank more tequila over the last six months than I have anything else. But I also, as your palate grows and you taste things just like cigars as well, and you get used to these things and your palate starts changing, be open-minded. Try other things and let some of your friends, as you meet these people and stuff, don't be afraid just because you didn't like something in high school or college or whatever you were drinking because, A, you were shooting this shit. You weren't trying to enjoy it. You were trying to get drunk. Yep. And you know what? Some, there's some things you'll be scarred for. You still won't go back to. Like, don't put rumple mints or Tawaka in front of me. I'm not <laughs> drinking that shit. Or Aftershock or any of that shit that Absinthe. I got. Just, or Goldschlager. I mean, I will still tell people up on Jaeger, but, like, that's a whole other story. But I went down this other road, too, where I started trying a lot of different things. Like, I've got some Cognacs, some Armagnacs, you know. Um, and I went down and I got some old barrel-aged rums that, you know, like, when you start learning more about how spirits are distilled and realizes what makes a spirit differently, because when you start looking at it, a lot of it's the same basic ingredients. It's how it's distilled, how long it's distilled, how, you know, vodka. They basically can take anything and make it into vodka, because basically you're turning the still all the way up. The definition of vodka is a clear, tasteless, and odorless spirit so like i mean really it could be i mean like oh, damn super, super easy super easy to produce yeah like they right. max out the still like i mean like there are literally people that could like literally take shit and make it into vodka and mm-hmm. like really the only thing that's different with a lot of it is what it's cut with you know like what water is and it cut with and how it's so is russian water worth 300 dollars more to you in a bottle mm-hmm. than tito's for 29.99 you know like i don't know I'm not saying it's the same as McCormick's, you know, like Mm -hmm. you're not going to just want to grab a bottle of McCormick's. It does taste different. But when you start learning these things as you go into knowledge, and I would I would encourage people to learn more before just diving in, you know, explore and say, don't go like full FOMO and just buy all this shit. Like, I mean, I did it. I I think think the thing here is that it's not fucking cheap. No, it's not. It's not cheap. Just like cigars, right? It's it's. It's a hobby and you want to enjoy it, but there's a lot of people that have like limitations financially, whatever, and you, yeah. can, you can tell who, who has more money between me and him based on his purchase history versus mine. <laughs> I don't have but, uh, kids. <laughs> he doesn't have kids, I do, so you know, that, that's a big factor. If you don't have kids, then you, you're free to do whatever the fuck you want. Yeah, but, yeah, um, chase, yeah, chase. Yeah, 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 go chase ahead. But yeah, I mean, there's the key message here is like, there's a lot of people that do have like magpie syndrome, right? Where, where it's go and chase the, the shiny shit. And I did that, but just not at the level that he did that, right? And I was never really the guy that wanted to go after like specific stickers and, ta- you know, just, just for those that aren't in the, you know, bourbon scene or whatever, a tater, when he says tater, it's basically the sticker design, you know, how they dress up the bottle. Right to make it, um, it can be wax, it can be sticker, whatever. There's tons of different ways in which you can do it, but you know, I was just never the guy that went and chased that aspect. I always, I always chased the, the, the quality of mm-hmm. the single barrel or the pick or the blend or whatever, it may, whatever it may be. Um, and that's that's really kind of why we do the things that we do in, 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 in the locals is that we, we don't really 
ch- tend to chase like the crazy stuff. Nowadays, like you kind of you do have to take your, you know, your bottle of it and, and kind of get people you know hyped up about it or like crave it or get the FOMO aspect or whatever. Yeah, but they have to trust you at the end, right? The, I mean, the, that's the key point. Yeah, is that trust is the biggest thing for me. Biz, rock and roll, brother. So let's do some education real quick, fellas. Uh, my man Wesley wants to know because you see bourbon whiskey on the bottle, but. It's a bourbon or is it a whiskey? Like Wesley wants to know what is the difference? Okay, good question. Yeah, very solid. good question, actually. So I've been confused by this myself. So. Okay, so and again, don't I'm not I'm not a, an expert. I'm not the guy that like creates all of this stuff, right? So you know, I'm just a, a humble, this, this passionate is individual like by definition, right? Though. So don't don't take this as absolute yeah. gospel. I'm gonna test. You're testing my knowledge right now. I mean, this is this is the thing. Right, so a bur- bourbon is an American product, right? Produced and has American. to be made in America. So it has to be made in America. So bourbon is actually the highest regulated whiskey in ca- any, any category of whiskey in the world. So it is technically whiskey, but to meet the definition of being a able bourbon. to call itself a bourbon is what he's about to explain. Yes. Yeah, so you can have whiskey from all different countries. Anybody can make whiskey. Yeah. There mm-hmm. is no super stipulation on making whiskey. Correct. That's why you have light whiskeys, Irish whiskeys, all sorts of things. But when you see the label bourbon. So basically, uh, bourbon, for one, has to be produced in the U.S., Right. If there's a bottle somewhere that's produced anywhere outside of the U.S., it's not a bourbon. And if it says bourbon, um, it has to be um, at least 51% corn in the mash bill. It has to be uh, entry. Uh, the proof entry into the barrel is no more than 125, I believe. It's 125. 125 yeah. proof um, going into the barrel, right? So the the white dog, the mash dog in the mash bill, the white dog that they produce from the mash bill, blah blah blah, has to be barreled at 125. Uh, or below the uh, they have to be put into brand new American oak charred barrels right so uh-huh. those are the main main aspect I think there's like one more and I can't like, for some reason I just can't remember it uh, anything outside of that when when you're talking about a it has been there for four years four years four years why did I forget that but yeah four years is the minimum age statement that you can have for a, for a bourbon. So you have the straight bourbon aspect and then you have the whiskey aspect. So anything deviating from that is is generally called a whiskey. Okay. So I hope that I hope that answers the question. I I would google it. There's a lot of different things, but like I said it is the most regulated product in the whiskey category. Yeah, and then you get to like bottle and bond, that's the government that's, yeah, that's certifying. And that really goes back to prohibition and them just trying to well, that sure actually goes that, back to uh, Colonel E.H. Taylor. Yeah, and like them wanting to make sure you knew exactly what was in your whiskey yeah, or so bourbon. You peaked, you were wondering what, what that is, because I could see it on your face. But basically what Colonel E.H. Taylor did was back in the day, like, you know, the 1800s, there was a lot, just like everything else, there was a lot of scamming going on mm-hmm. and, you know, profiteering on fake products and stuff like that. And uh, there was a lot of people that actually died. Um, you know, from consumption of product that was faked, it was filled with you know crap. You I know, mean, people I, used to spit chaw into it. To yeah, make like the barrel whiskey turn colors. Crazy, like crazy whiskey. stuff. Like create like medieval time of stuff. You know, and uh, basically he campaigned to get uh, for the bottled and bond act 
which means that any bourbon that was aged, produced and aged, would be under government supervision. Mm. And in a bonded warehouse. In a single season. In a single warehouse. In a single right, season. In a single produce. season. So it would basically give the, the safe stamp of approval. Government for the still, like tax still, like going across here. Yeah. Like, you so know. So that you know you that you are purchasing this bottle, it's been produced in a safe manner, and it is safe to consume versus what was going on in the streets where people were dying from poisoning of various different sorts. And I mean, that brand, that, that process has stayed true to today, right? Um, there are certain distilleries that do bottled and bond and it's under, you know, same rules and regulations and stuff like that. It just has a very different meaning to now in comparison to you're not going to die if this isn't bottled and bond, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? You know, mm-hmm. so it's a, you know, there's, again, like, like anything, there's a vast history behind this stuff. And it's, it, you know, for me, I, I'm, I'm passionate about it. I, I love doing this stuff. But like when you actually go back and look at the history, the historic facts, it's yeah, that, interesting. That was a question because we can, we can tie the history of cigars or we can tie that all the way back to the Teano Indians, you know, Christopher Columbus and, and the, whole, the whole process of coming over and how that kind of exploded. What is the... What is the creation story of whiskey? I mean, you can even do that with, with whiskey, too. Like, I mean, a lot of people think, like, the Boston Tea Party was just about tea. Like, <laughs> yeah, you like this. I saved this just for you. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, literally, like, England started doing some tactical stuff to, like, mess with America because they were pissed off and angry. Like, they started altering trade routes and stuff and, like, putting huge taxes on, like, molasses sugar cane stuff like that because that's what these early settlers that came over they brought their pot stills from europe over and you know they're trying to make spirits out of what they get well what was flowing easily out of these ports and stuff sugar cane molasses you know and people were making rum some of the you know Mm. like i mean you can go back all the way i mean because this goes alcohol and spirits goes back like the beginning of history when like i mean like you go all the way back through all the civilizations there's some form of it whether it was an armagnac a wine a a whatever but a big part of that was like england was diverting and like putting taxes and like banning you know these countries that they had stronger alliances with they were banning them from these shipments and blockading it from the u.s because they're like huh you Southerners want to get drunk. <laughs> bye bye. Mm-hmm. Here's our spies. Yeah. Like they didn't have that readily available here in the U.S. from what they had like done. Then you see they start adapting to corn. Like what did they? They did have. They did have corn. So then you see all this corn whiskey and all that stuff start to come about. Like did, I mean, did whiskey know. emanate in Scotland? I think did it start with Scotch, Scotch whiskey? Tr- you know I mean, what? But that's that's a very good question. I'm curious I, because if they got, if I it, don't know the answer. Honestly, yeah, then, there's, there's, I, honestly, I think that it goes back so far. There's, I don't think there's enough data or discovery to say when something. You know, I, I saw I saw an article about like the oldest wine ever discovered, and that it was like crazy old, like. Yeah. 2,000 years old or something like that. Um, I mean, I, I don't think, you know, for, 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 for example, I, your question earlier, like for bourbon, there, there's some controversy there, right? It's just like if you... If Elijah you, Craig Eli- saying, yeah, you know, so I'm the I'm the father of bourbon, bourbon because father. I was the first one that charred the barrels, right, in 1776. And it's the same in the, in the automobile world, right? If you look at cars, 
who who was it the the guy that uh created mercedes i can't remember right. i can't remember any of those names it was the guy that created mercedes it was the guy that created volkswagen right those, those early 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 pioneers essentially and there was another guy in i think in, in italy as well and they were basically doing different things at the same time but basically came up with the same concept you know again controversy because mm -hmm. there isn't really true documentation or proof to say who is this first one now obviously you know heaven hill for example who own elijah craig you know their whole thing is they have the 1776 uh, embossed on the glass and um they call it the father of bourbon right mm. but what's a hundred percent true this is why i'd love to I have, have randy sullivan no on here idea. he's like a historian on this shit and like mm. really knows so is it like is it like kentucky Known for bourbon in Tennessee yeah. for whiskey. That is the, the bigger yeah. producers. That is the that I mean, but really, state. you look at really like if you look at maps though, and like see how we colonized the United States. There's, I mean, it's really hard to say because I mean we we really came into the New England area. They were making spirits there. Then the river boats. Then you start moving spirits up and down the river. Mm -hmm. You know, Kentucky's going to lay claim because they're the first ones to really build big distilleries. But Pennsylvania did, Indiana did, Ohio did. Well, Pennsylvania Louisiana was a big producer. Did. I mean, Pennsylvania back in the was day, huge. in the 50s and the 40s, like 30s, 40s. George and 50s. Washington had a major distillery when he, like, yeah. before he was president. Like, yep. yeah, y'all knew he was a hustler off time. Dude, there's, oh, there's, a, there's a lot <laughs> of big figures in bourbon. There's, there's a lot of big figures in Burma brands today, right? I mentioned Colonel E.H. Taylor. He wasn't just called the Colonel, mm -hmm. right? He was an actual Colonel, right? Um, Elmer T. Lee. Yeah. Bland, like Colonel Blanton's. Like these were all military or politician figures, you know, of the time. Deep ties. Deep, deep ties. Deep, yeah. deep ties. You know, so. Yeah, you, think, mean, you think about how many soldiers had to take a shot of their whiskey before they got their legs sawed off. Or like, yeah, right. They, I mean, there had to have been some sort of like whiskey. What if it was like, if, if you go to Buffalo one tequila, seventy proof vodka? I mean, like, <laughs> if you go to Buffalo Trace or in bigger distilleries and stuff like that, especially like, for example, because there's so much heritage in terms of, you know, George T. Stagg owned owned the distillery, then it was taken over, and then this and this and this. It was like stories about Colonel Blanton's, right? The reason why, and we, we have a bottle here, and we'll, we'll pull that out in a minute, but um. The reason why the single barrel came about was because he would go to the Rick House, right? His property was on the land, right? So it was a, a short walk or whatever. If you're, if you're rolling a barrel, I mean, it's a hell of a longer walk. But he would go to the Rick House and go and taste barrels and go and go, this one's great. And then get the staff to roll it up to the property for a, for a party. Whoa. And they came up with the concept of the single barrel. Right, because he was going to select, like he was like, he didn't have time to do all this other crap, right? But like, he would just go and go, all right, I'll, this one, great, roll it up. And then Gives you know, saw myself, his guys. socialite party and stuff like that is, you know, political parties or whatever it is, you know, rich people do, you know, in those times. But, you know, you can, you've seen movies, it's a big soiree and there's a freaking barrel there. But that was the whole concept of it, right? And they put that to market and they created the first single barrel Right, um, but yeah, you, you know what? Uh, go ahead. Uh, there's even an interesting one. I still haven't found any more research on this. I, I need to talk to Alan about this more. So I, I mentioned Leopold Brothers out of Colorado, doing super unique thing. This guy just spent 
I mean, he's custom. I mean, his bottles are super expensive. Like they start around like one hundred and fifty, two hundred dollars to buy his four chamber rye, and he's got a four chambered still that. For whatever reason, like that used to be really popular and prominent. Like you find before the wars, you could find four chamber stills. But for whatever reason, however they were constructed, what they tore them down and used them in wartime to produce, mm. you know, fuel and other things. And for whatever reason, once the war was over, they didn't build back these four chamber stills, these four chamber pot stills. They they built back just common stills. And stuff like that in the pot stills for whatever reason they like pretty much disappeared so like leopold brothers spent i mean i'm sure a couple million dollars having one of the like most famous copperages build them from old documents they recreated a four chamber still and it's producing some of the most unique rise in bourbons you've ever had like you're either gonna hate it or love it like don't get me wrong like I would maybe try to find somebody that has some that you could try because, you, again, you're going to hate it or love it, mm. but it's not like anything you've ever tasted. But that was, like, a completely different thing. And, like, I don't know why they just disappeared. I don't think anybody really does, but, like, they melted all these down during the war and used them for wartime efforts, and that went away. Interesting. Yeah. Like, but That's, there's so much history. I didn't like, know that. Yeah, you, yeah you start digging into this stuff, you're going to find out, like, all kinds of crazy stuff. Well, we, we like look at it. Cigars, like, yeah, I mean, and how that ties bringing in. bringing in that, like, antique, like, Smithsonian cigar filler it's roller out there right that's now. out there. Like, I was mind-blown because, like, I hadn't seen something like that since I was, like, 13, 14. When I lived in Connecticut, I worked on a farm. And that's one of the, it's amazing I can even smoke tobacco or anything. Like, I couldn't eat peppers for a long time after picking peppers for multiple seasons. But, like, picking tobacco is a disgusting job. Like, it is truly Sappy. just dirty. There's no getting it off of you. It's, it, it's, it's dirty hard work. I mean, like, I would almost rather lay irrigation piping in a farm than pick tobacco again. But he had, I'm not saying it's the same, but I'm saying a very similar contraption as that, that like, I was just like, it wasn't the same, but it was very similar. I was like, God, I wonder how old that really was. Cause the old man would literally like go out there and just take it. And like, he'd roll his own little, little stogie cigar when he wanted to out of the barns and stuff like that. And like, it's just amazing. They're like full circle to see that now. Well, and how it all brings it together. We were talking about trade routes, right? Yeah. Well, we all love, I think we love the concept of barrel aging. We love what that does, the way the tobacco, the way the whiskey works together, the way that the tourist, the, the porous tobacco brings in the flavor. Well, it was because of the whiskey trade and the bootleggers that were running across Oklahoma that that even began in the first place. Yeah. Because a guy, a guy's about, I think it was 1860s, whenever it was, they introduced or started trading barrels of whiskey with the Choctaw Indians just up the road from us. And they started barrel aging tobacco. There's one, the Terra Nova that we still have, uses the same type of Arapeak barrel aging technique. I didn't really? know that. I didn't know yeah, that. that company's 200 yeah. years old. Wow. And it's it's unique. It's a German-owned company that is, I think, 205 years old now. But 
it's a process that was created by the Choctaw Indians in the 1860s, somewhere there and about. But it was because of whiskey making its way across the United States and trading with the Indian reservations that that was even Crazy. become a it's possibility. Awesome. And that's literally like two and a half hours from here. Yeah, like I suppose we're, we're like te- technically we're, we're still in Choctaw Indian land right if you well, go north yeah, 40 minutes yeah, we're yeah, in choctaw yeah, land yeah right it's it's very unique where we're sitting in a in a place that is that's important right, well, i feel like this is a good point to bring this up because we haven't hit this yet and i've got a segment that we have to drop on you guys before we call it an evening here in a few minutes but i think a barrel was delivered today and i think we're going to be barrel aging a cigar here shortly i think uh, you're right it's, it's technically Half delivered because it's still sitting in the back of my truck. Oh, <laughs> it's, yes, it is on property. We're gonna we're gonna pull it out. So what are we, what are we, what are we gonna put in this barrel and what barrel are we using here, fellas? Right. So I'll I'll I'll, I'll answer the barrel question because we, we you I think you may have figured it out. Or I've, you, I've got a couple. You've got a couple. Right, okay. So possibilities here. You guys are getting inside early information of something yeah, that is, will be released later on. Um, this this is this process is gonna take you know, three to five months, mm-hmm. I would say, in total. Uh, but we are going to use the barrel for, for this, the mystery mash bill, um, the story that I said earlier about the, the crazy mistakenly filled barrels and then redouble barreled and so forth and so on. So we are, we are going to use this barrel. Uh, I think it brings a super unique profile, and it's just cool to have something that's one of 50 and then do something even more crazy and unique. Um, and I know that these guys at ICC... Uh, the freaks want to experiment and push the boundaries of innovation, should I say? So, whatever, whatever you, what have you been? So there, there are a couple, and it's unique that you say that because we do have access to some unique tobacco. We have some, we have access to some cigars that have been not been produced, and some that are very old. So there are a couple of directions, and thank you for bringing that, so I could, I can taste it and be a part of it, but. From two of our favorite, you know, up on the top tier producers, Patoro, one of which we're smoking now, they have uh, they have a beautiful cigar that uses a Cameroon wrapper. Cameroon wrapper is what oh, you just smoked, yeah. and what you smoked yesterday was a Cameroon wrapper. Yeah, it's it's a little bit. It's got this little citrus, a little bite to it, but it's airy. It's aromatic. It's a porous tobacco, and yet I, it still has some of these really good earth tones. Which yeah. I'm not a big earth tone person, but it still has. I mean, like these, that this, this is starting to be the, like the, the one of the best brand cigars that I've phenomenal. You can, you can get. It, Sorry, it, I mean, no, you no, no, you're exactly yeah, I just right. Wanted to put that point. That is, you know, it's right in line with who we want to be. Right, they want to exactly push right. out the best that they can push out. And the company's been in business since 2001, and they only have five blends. So they haven't fallen into the trap of let's have 180 different blends. Let's you know make all the same thing 180 times. Five distinctly different blends. They have one that they're toying with. Um, one. This one may or may not be a house project that we've been working on for a couple of years, um, but that is that is one potential option. The other one is an, on, on your point, is an old dusty. That is that's from Crux Cigars, mm. and oh. we talk about Tell unique. Me more. So this has this particular cigar. I just, has as a, I just pulled this this yeah. dusty. Right. Well, and onto it's so funny table. because the, <laughs> the crea- yeah the creators of this are just all about blends. But they have a they have a cigar that uses a wrapper called Engañoso, 
okay. which translates to tricky because where it's at is a very tricky place for them to to actually farm where it actually sits okay. in this real in weird the, valley. In terms of the growth or in yeah. terms of just the sustainability of it? Like- well, actually, just the technicality of farming in a washout valley. So there's right. a ton of loss because okay. where those volcanoes all come in, there are three major volcanoes in growing area in Nicaragua, but where two of them come in, they create this valley. And there's a ton of runoff. And when there's a lot of runoff, it's pulling everything from on top down into the soil. So the soil is very Mineral dark. dense. It's yeah. super dense, right? But... I can on paper, very loose and stuff like that as well from all the washout. And you would think so, but it packs it down. I mean, that soil right. is as dark as this microphone. Jeez. And usually that means something that's very intense. But the tricky side of it is on paper, this should kick your ass. In reality, this is a beautiful, absolutely sensational wrapper. And they are the only manufacturers that have purchased up all. And just Joseph. turned this into a late night talk show with his. Okay. Uh, this explanation i'm yeah. telling you uh, so either way we're i think we're going to have something and i may just grab some samples for both so we can try it and then try those together yeah absolutely um, that sounds phenomenal but both of those i think will be top end producers both tobaccos will be you have something that's unique that would match that barrel it's going to live in but like you said miguel and that's you why i appreciate it wrong with either like, one of those no my my excited either way oh 100 percent. again it's going to go back to why i said earlier yeah. What's the fucking best? What's the best? What is the best? Yeah. And the and way you got that the and a huge here to like nail that down. Like, I mean, but the kudos goes no out to Miguel. Frame on it. Like, that's what I think is beautiful about this. There's, there's no rush to put any of this out. There's no, there's no urgency. There's no. It has to be this. Like, this could get scrapped and go back to this drawing board. And like, yeah, neither of you are gonna put out something that you don't feel like is the best. And I think that's what we talked about. That's, that's right? what's so beautiful about this. We don't want blind chasers. No. Yeah. And we talked about this originally. I, we said, I don't, I don't give a shit about timeline. I just care about quality. Yeah. I want you guys to take this to the limits that you think that you can take it to. There's no, hey, let's get this ready in, in 90 days or in 120 days. It's, yeah. What do you think is best? When it's ready, it's ready. When it's ready, it's ready. And that's, that's the point. Again, quality over quantity. I think we, we have the same kind of mindset when it comes to that kind of stuff. And I'm excited to see what no, this that's what's basically turns into. Yeah, for sure. Because... I mean, I can tell you from firsthand experience, like I said, I want to go to Vegas with the Frakes when they go to the cigar deal. You don't want to do that. Like, well, <laughs> I've questioned that's what I was about to say. I did do the sit-in with you guys when you guys bring back like hundreds, and guys, I'm not exaggerating, like hundreds of cigars. And they've already narrowed it down in their mind to probably, I'm going to guess around 10 or 12, maybe, maybe, probably realistically only six. And we sit in this very same room you guys are looking at right now with a panel and we pass cigars around to you've had enough to like taste it, really give your opinion. And then it goes up for a vote and then it goes through all these elimination rounds because the reality is the humidor already is so amazing and curated so perfectly for something to be able to occupy shelf space in here. It really has to be on the next level. No, it does. So if the Franks are going to put their name on it or say, this is coming in here, I can guarantee you, it may not be your cup of tea, but it's not going to suck. Like, period. No. And no. I, at first I said I hadn't really smoked a lot of shitty cigars. 
Holy shit. Even with like, and I know they threw some of those in there just to fuck with people mm-hmm. and see what certain oh, members testing? said. Yeah, yeah. It, just to see what people said, you there, know, like. There are bad what cigars out there. Like, yeah, I didn't think there was like, I mean, I knew there were, but like, I just personally had not smoked really shitty cigars. And I can remember there were about four that I was like, man, your day. this is top not, no, actually opposite. There were about four that I was like, something out of these fours is going to make it in here. And I wasn't far off. Like, yeah, it was the one that's coming in Friday night, the Italian one, like Toscano, the Toscano. That yeah. was amazing. Like that, that hit off on yeah. everybody. That's the only one that made it. That's the one that like really <laughs> stood out. There was one or two others that I was like, I can see this being in here, yep. but you, you then have to do, which I can't imagine how hard it is for them say, is it better than what we already have? And some of them are so close that's a touchy call. Like, is it better than what we have? And why would I add this to the mix if it's not bringing in something better or different? Yep. Same kind of thing we talked about with the bourbons and the clubs. And I respect the hell out of them after doing that. But, I mean, like, holy shit, man. Like, I didn't know if I was going to be able to smoke a cigar for, like, a month after <laughs> we that. Smoked like, seven, eight blends. Uh, we smoked, How like, many was 78, it? Yeah, you, 78 you, blends you told in, like, me. And I was like, three hour period. I'm a cigar guy. Yeah. But there is no fucking way. And they did that for three days in Vegas, man. And I was nope. like, we sat here and it passed will change around. your life. I bet I've been three times. Yeah. And yep. I came back an inch shorter All each right, time. Biz, <laughs> biz just saying. signed me back up again. I'm back <laughs> in on this. If um, Dave I'm and the Franks boys will let me know. But I will say this we had that issue What's earlier on? today. When you and I were in the in the humidor walking around aimlessly, it wasn't because there was nothing good. We absolutely could not figure out what, what to grab to smoke. No, we literally said that. Like, I mean, it's like when I'm standing in front of my bar, like, and I'm like, what bottle do I want to drink tonight? Like, not trying to sound arrogant or anything, but I mean, like, I have over 100 bottles open. I mean, I entertain a lot. And, like, shit looks like, like Willy Wonka. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's like same thing in the humidor, though. I walk in, I'm like, all right. Nothing sucks. What do I want to smoke? And what are we going to talk about tonight on the show? And it's like, all right, you know, and I treat it kind of like I do my spirits, too. What mood am I in? You know, like, am I in a mood where I need something to lift me up and kind of like, all right, let's get this going? Or am I in a like, hey, let's sit back and let's like, you know, chill, you know? But what I've learned, though, just like I'm noticing with bourbon and collections and going through the process from beginning to end and selecting cigars to sell Everything you get serves a certain purpose at a certain time to a certain person. For sure. And in your taste buds and stuff, like I kind of talked about going down different lanes with spirits, happens with cigars too. What I started out smoking is not stuff I really smoke today. I found stuff that is so much better Mm -hmm. and that I really, truly enjoy. Um, There's a lot of stuff getting ready to come in this fall that if you guys uh, don't come up here, I recommend you come up here and buy some sticks and see what you can find and talk, talk to the people that work here. There is nobody that's not super knowledgeable about what they're doing here. And that's kind of where I'm going to bust your balls again, Nate, because Nate told me, I was like, man, are you in here moving stuff around again? Just to like, make me like really hunt for stuff. And he's like, well, you need to ask an employee about what was moved and what's new in here. And like, (laughs) let them do that's what they're paid to do. And lo and behold, I asked, uh, 
two individuals. One may or may not have been the manager. I'm like, so what's new in here? What got moved around? Where's stuff out? What should I smoke today? And they were like, uh, uh, and they all slid in. I was like, yeah, buddy, that's what just happened. <laughs> he was just moving it at that moment. Fired on you real quick, like. But yeah, I mean, you can do that here in the lounge. Like, I mean, it it, it happens. Like, you walk in, and it's like, what am I in the mood for today? Or what? And, you know, and honestly, that's just honest discussion you should have. Like. Talk to the experts. Talk to the people that are here. They're here to help you. Tell them, like, I had a shitty day. Uh, you know, I went and ate Chinese food for lunch, and, you know, I'm having a steak for dinner. Okay, I guarantee you, Brandon right now could be like, try one of these three Captain cigars Maduro in here. number six. Yep, or, I got you. I oh, just, easily. I just yeah. had a easily. cappuccino. I've had a really good day, and I just want to sit here and unwind and think about the great day I had. Brandon yep. would say, German you try. Realm site. Yep, I got you. I mean, see, I mean, like, that's how this happens. And, like, this goes across so many platforms, like, whether you're talking about your bourbon or your tequila or whatnot. Oh, yeah, 100%. And I apologize. I think I get some more water. It's mm. all good. It's all good. Tail end of a cold, so. No, you're getting good. Getting a bit groggy. Right, well, like, can... like a fucking idiot, I come in back in the room, and there's obviously <laughs> a bit of a harsh space around the side here and biz and blah 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 but I just fucking kicked the camera so I apologize <laughs> man you ain't family until you kick a camera yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean I dropped a mic the other week and let it like bang all over the floor I mean like if it hasn't happened on this show and you don't know how to deal with it then like we're not doing it right yeah, yeah. Like, amen to that tell, I mean, me, like, tell me how it's your first podcast without it's your first podcast by so changing the, the subject camera. and going on yeah, <clears throat> yeah let's uh, what do we got we got five minutes you got a blank no, I just don't want to talk about the first podcast we had and what a clusterfuck it was so <laughs> oh yeah okay yeah Gary, I mean, Gary was like rage texting me the next day he's like oh, I'm, it's it didn't go well and I'm, oh, I'm, I'm. it actually it, went it really fucking, well it fucking happens but at the beginning they were like oh we can't we couldn't get this game it's like dude don't stress about it like it's just it happens dude well, it's technology that's the things i stress about like i mean like i'm kind of ocd and a control freak when it comes to Same. certain things and all the things that I couldn't control and that were out of my control, everything went wrong. Like le- legit, like everything went wrong. Like we did, that's why that podcast is like the Easter egg. Like you can go find the audio if you want on certain platforms. I'm going to leave that Easter egg out there, but we don't have video to upload. Like the video feed ate shit and died. You know, like <laughs> last week we thought everything was going great. And it, did. Pot, and it did. Theoretically, it did. it did. But then the metaverse decided they were doing whatever, and instead of it loading to our page where people could go back and watch it, it was gone. Yep. They're, and like they're canceling know, like, a lot right now. We still had it, but like yeah. And then these guys' show gets canceled, and I'm like, okay, well, did I just get canceled? That was did the cheese. But no, that wasn't one, just right? us, though, right? The one I'm, that was I'm normally directly this after building. this. Yeah. Did that happen to other people? That wasn't just us. That yeah, it was us. There was like a nationwide, and like if you went back to our main page, like even on the admin side, like you could see like Facebook was saying like, hey, we're aware of these problems. We're going to try and fix it. But then, you know, we had other podcasts that used words like trash and got kicked off live. And, you know, like it. I mean, trash. Like, yeah, I mean, we, mid, midterms I've are coming up. Podcast, my uh, podcast has talked about way worse shit. Like, yeah, well, and yet you midterms get, like, are in a month. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Exactly. Come, on. Come, on. Come on now. No, no let's like, go. We don't need to be naive. All right. Well, we've got. Well, I know you want to like share some of this dusty blends over here, and I'm super excited to try that. But while we're passing that around, 
it's time for you two to answer the question that is like one of my favorite segments on here. And I'm oh man, I'm kind of scared to see where Miggy's gonna go with this. Shit. I'm even okay. more scared where Brandon's gonna go with this because this is kind of like an open mic at the end of the night. Like you guys have been with us on the show for a while, you know what's going on. So we like to do a segment called "Give Us Your Two Cents." Give us your two cents can be literally about anything, like. Whatever is bothering you, whatever's on your mind, whatever you're happy about, sad about, something you ain't been able to say, you want to say, something that's bothering you. I mean, literally, whatever. But thank you. Give us your two cents. And thank you, fellas, for joining me on this. I hope everybody else has enjoyed this. But let's start with Miggy. Give us your two cents. And it can be about whatever, again. Shit, I mean, holy this, this, shit, man. <laughs> yeah, so for those that uh, just see the holy this shit, is you gotta uh, try this. This is, yeah. I'm not even gonna slide it, but try this. Yeah. This, this, is, this, this is, is that from 1991. Effect. 1991, y'all. Miguel and Brandon were like two years old when this was like done. Yeah, because we're both 89s, right? So, yeah, yeah. Yep. we're like a week here. apart. Yeah. I know, not even a week, it's like four days. When, right? when is it? When's yours? 24th. Yeah, I'm 29. Yeah, yeah. Are you guys like, like serious right now? Yeah, yeah. 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 for real. Yeah. 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 Five days apart. Right I was in the army for two years already, and y'all was just not getting spat. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Biz, yeah. we're fucking old, <laughs> man. Biz is like, oh, shit, I am old. <laughs> um, dude, there's really nothing that bothers me. It doesn't have to be something to bother you. No, I'm just saying, like, I'm just trying to think of different things, but, like, there's really nothing that bothers me. Like, the two cents that I have is, like, don't take, don't take shit too seriously. You know, if you want to go and grab something, go grab it. Take risks. Risks yeah. comes reward. And it also comes risk. I mean, let's face it. Like, my whole life, you know, I'm only 33 years old. You know, yeah. I've got two kids. I'm definitely not from Texas. Right, as you can You're not tell. from Texas? Maybe. I thought that was a South Texas no, accent. No, yeah. 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 Southern draw. I always take, I always, day, I always make fun and like throw people a loop and they're like, where are you from? I'm like, Midland or Odessa. You know, See, that's just, so I funny. Will you, uh, will you pass the Dutch upon the right-hand side for me, please? And that is so funny because like my father-in-law is Jordanian, right? So my father-in-law is Jordanian and it's funny to me that like, A... Foreigners, when they come here, if they have a hard-to-pronounce name in the English language, they pick the most common English name that starts with the same letter. Like, it's, it's absolutely hilarious to me. And the other funny part about this is almost all foreigners, and I don't know why this is because it's like the most awkward city to claim you're from, but when they tell people they're from Texas and they ask them what city... They all say Waxahachie. And I just think it's hilarious. I have this shirt for my father-in-law. He's so hard to shop for because he just buys what he wants, to be honest, that I got him a I'm from Waxahachie shirt for Christmas this year that like, I'm going to like present to him for Christmas. Like, it's, it's funny that like, you're mentioning like Waxahachie because yeah. when I first moved to the state seven years ago, yeah, uh, one of the guys that I worked with, true, born and raised Texan, he was trying to throw me off and like, hey, pronounce these words. And he'd write them down. And Waxahachie was one of them. And he completely, <laughs> completely and fucking remember butchered it. it. Yeah. And I just remember that. It's like, try and say this word. And I'm like, uh, I don't know. Yeah. It's just funny that you mentioned Waxahachie. It's like the go-to for foreigners. Like, they, like they're going to go with, like, <laughs> I'm from Waxahachie. And everybody's like, yeah, okay. That mystical, magical land, Waxahachie. But yeah, I mean, like, like I was saying, like, it's... Don't take too, 
don't take shit too seriously. Life is life. Life is supposed to be enjoyed, right? I agree. Take risks because risks come both reward. You know, I've been very fortunate enough to have the reward aspect, right? Young, young, young family, kids, moving to the U.S. and creating something in my business, in my in my career and stuff like that, giving my family opportunity. And then obviously, the and surviving, and not getting his ass kicked by his black belt wife. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is a feat. Congrats Survive, on that. I have survived that for thirteen years so far. You know, yeah. there's congrats. Uh, that, yeah, there's a skill to that. Uh, there is a skill to that. You know, there's been there's yeah. been a few close. Yeah, Liam's right. There's, there's been a few close calls. But, the brother-in-law chimes yeah, in yeah. with uh, <laughs> few close calls. He's like, I've seen it. We'll I've keep that for Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, just don't, you know, again, take risks, enjoy life, right? Mm. Keep family and friends close, understanding the meaning of friends versus associates, all that kind of stuff. Like, that's important. Never mistake the two. Exactly. Yeah. Keep a lot of, a lot of people friends do, and family close. Like, we all keep do. Keep friends and family close. And Everyone, I wanna, it's a big and, mistake. But and with you saying yeah. that out, for any of, the, any of my friends that work with me as well that are on here watching, we did lose a really great guy today. I just found out about uh, mm. our pool guy, um, Truman. Man, rest in peace. You are a great dude. You're going to be severely, severely missed. And condolences to his family. Um, just found that out today. But uh, I'm sorry about all that. Right. Yeah. Never nice. B. No, it's, it's interesting. It's almost on that same point. I mean, none of us make it out alive, right? Yeah, it's an infinite and amount of time, so live the best life. But it is, it is something. You cannot go all somber and serious with us on this. Like, I did way oh, too okay. much of a. Okay, so you want to get off of that? You want something yeah, lighter? Like, oh, I want left field Brandon here. Like, give us your two cents. I mean, you already shut one podcast down. Let's go. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> hmm. <clears throat> Damn, did I just like, do that how to many myself? Words, well, that's, yeah. How many bad words in the algorithm <laughs> what can I say what in the next I 30 seconds? Not get us canceled for... Speaking of which, when this is over, can you teach me how to cuss in British? Y'all have the dopest cuss words oh. ever. Like, it's way you better than our... You gotta say fuck 56 times in a, in a paragraph. <laughs> like, like I don't even know the what's thing. the definition of bullets. And then they say, like, bullets. certain words yeah, that are that? so Cohenous. offensive and you don't even know. No shit. No shit. Yeah, bulls. See, we're gonna talk yeah. about this. Oh, day. yeah. I'm gonna oh, show yeah. up in the hood just speaking nothing but British cuss words and just fucking... <laughs> Everyone will fucking look at me and go, what the fuck is this dude saying? Oh, like, And it's dope. Anyway, I'm sorry I watched yeah, a lot yeah. of... Well, well, no, I watched a lot of Guy Ritchie movies. We'll give him elocution lessons in British profanity. Oh, Join us next week uh, For one of our upcoming episodes We're going to discuss British profanity And other slang terms That Hi, Brandon, may or may not get you kicked off Facebook All right, and so On that note on, on that note It is It's an interesting concept That I was re-reminded When I actually took a day To stop and ride motocross last week My first day I decided In maybe years To just stop and ride But there's an interesting Parallel to life Right. When you ride motocross, you choose a line you want. You don't choose a line you don't want because that's where you're going to go. Right. And when yep. you come into a corner, you're faced with a lot of different lines. Yep. But you have to commit to that. And when you commit to that single line, the only way you can get out of it is just squeezing your legs, squeezing your throttle and looking out the rut. If you do anything except for just roll on the throttle, you're in deep shit. That thing's going to hop out. You're. You're going, you're taking a dirt nap. But I, I was reminded of that this week, which is just commit to the vision, roll on throttle, and then figure it out when you're out. B, 
Because then yep. you could go, oh, there's a faster line through there. Okay, well, the next one, the next lap, I'm going to take another faster. line. I think that's yeah. important as well. It's like, just, because the next one, you commit to this right now, but there's always going to be a pivot somewhere. Always, always. And that line might set you up for something that you didn't expect. That might have set you up to hit a jump that you wouldn't have hit because you carry more speed. But it's just full commitment. Keep your eyes forward. Don't look at your wheel and just squeeze legs, squeeze throttle. You'll be all right. You know, that reminds me of a great quote. I don't remember who said it, but slow is steady and steady is fast. Yeah. You know, you know, you gotta, you gotta do that. But I mean, just stay your course and just go with it. Slow is fast. I mean, sometimes that's what you have to do. I mean, like I'll, I'll end it on that with my two cents is, you know, a lot of people have given advice, critique and whatnot about doing a podcast. You know what? This is my fucking podcast. And you know what? I'm doing what I want to do, and I'm having a great time doing it. And this may turn into something totally different three months, six months from now. But you know what? I'm just doing it. And you know what? Some people don't ever get off the couch and just do it. And I want to encourage people to whatever it is, whatever passion it is you have, or maybe you're looking for it, try new things and just go out and do something. Like, do it. Like, don't just sit and think about it. I mean, I wrote about this and, like, thought about this, and it didn't exactly come to me as a podcast. But, like, you know, I, I went out. I got in some bourbon groups, met some cool people, uh, led me to some cigar people, cigar groups. Then I started hanging out with cigar people, and then I ended up in the Atabay Lounge. And then I get invited on a podcast, and then I do a couple podcasts. And then I'm like, oh, shit. This sounds like what I want to do. This sounds like a good avenue for me. And you know what? I'm just doing it. Like, who knows what comes to this? Like, maybe, hopefully y'all will continue to join us. And I did say I was going to talk about this. And I know we got to get off of here. I'm getting the signals and everything else. Even though he has a mic. Even though he's just mad dogging me over there. But <laughs> I ain't going to do you like that, man. I just give yeah, you hand yeah, signals yeah, yeah. and hope That's you, why like, we catch you on. a mic. He's waiting for the elocution so, lessons. That's what it is. Uh-huh. He wants so, to give it to you in British. Profanity. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he wanted to, to find a way to say bollocks again. Like, he's really dying to say bollocks Balls. again. Yeah. <laughs> so, earlier today, I made two posts. One on the Common Sense page on Facebook and one on my personal page. If y'all are watching this or listening, I've talked about this. Facebook's messed it up a couple times, so I want to try to honor this and do this. So, this bottle right here. This Nulu straight bourbon whiskey, it's a pick, it's a single barrel from Outer Heaven, has a really cool tater sticker of Mario, so we've got that. We've got some very limited edition LFDs that were unreleased, event only. For sure. That are... These are amazing. Like this is out of my. It even says it on the box. Yeah, I mean, it <laughs> yeah. says it on the box, y'all. Like it's got an LG. I, this in is it. out of my personal collection of cigars, and these are phenomenal. Like there's unreleased cigars that you could only get if you were at this event or here. Like let I me mean, look at Brandon. Like he's that's he's pretty, telling me. Yeah, I mean. Then I've also curated and picked out a few other cigars that I'm just throwing out here. We've got Ken Hamlin's Arrival. I like this with coffee. It's a good coffee morning cigar. We've got the uh, Corojo Number no. Five Grand, Grand Habano. Habano Maduro. Th- this really is a cigar Excellent. that I really good. personally like. I smoke a lot of these personally. 
This is one of my favorites of the Crux. This is the Epicure. This is one of the cigars we were just talking about, or one of the makers of cigars that they were talking about putting in a yep. barrel. We've got this one here. I've also got what do we got here. Ooh. That's 2015 cigar of the year. I'm not even going to try to say that after he just said that because he just makes it sound so much sexier. And then I've got an LFD anniversary in here too. I mean, for those I, who like the Andalusian Bowl, that is the Andalusian Bowl just with more age on it. So Ooh. there you guys go. Is it really? All of these are available. We're going to give them away next week on the show live. I will do a random randomizer. Go share the link because it's a link to the YouTube page. We desperately need 100 subscribers so that other people that enjoy the show can easily find it. Right now, YouTube has made it very difficult to find our show. So go share that link. Comment on either one of them. If you comment on it and I see that you share it, I will enter you in the rando. And if you're local, I'll meet up with you. If you're not, I'll ship these to you. If you are the lucky winner, we'll randomize it. I'll run it. One person's uh, going to win all that? One person's going to win all that just for sharing the YouTube Come on, let's post. go now. Come on. Yeah, so let's go. That's you easy. You guys pick the number. What number are we going to use on the randomizer? Pick a number between 1 and 10. 7. Lucky, seven. lucky, lucky seven. number 7. Lucky so 7. I will randomize this 7 times next time live on the show. And whoever that is, you're going to win all this. Like, so, comment, share, subscribe. Just yeah, do yeah. all the social shit. Hashtag yeah. common sense the podcast. Thank it you guys for like joining 15 us. 15 seconds, right? 15 yeah, seconds. Literally. Thank you for joining us today. I want to thank my guests. You guys are some of my best friends, and I love having you on here. It's been a great show. Enjoyed sharing it with you. Thank you. Thank you. B, thank you. Much love. Miguel. Miggy. Thank you. Oh, Enjoy go. it. Y'all have a great evening. <laughs>